1: Hey, it's Kevin Monroe, and I want to welcome you to this episode, number 82 of the Higher Purpose Podcast. It is a joy, a privilege, and a delight to welcome you, to have you join me for this conversation today. It's just so much fun that we get to spend this time together on a weekly basis. So whether you've been listening for a long time, you've just been listening as we started these conversations about what it means to do work and to live, lead in a human's first kind of way. Or if this is the first time you've ever listened to the podcast, welcome. We have got a delightful conversation coming your way today. You know, lately I have been talking to a lot of the humans first club members or the presenting members, and today is no exception. Claude Silver, I'm going to allow her to introduce herself in just a few moments and tell you about the work she does, because I don't want to steal her thunder, but Claude Silver is just a delightful soul. We met on Twitter a few months ago. We had a conversation a couple of months ago, and that led to us having this podcast conversation today. So all I want to ask you to do is just lean in or maybe lean back, just open up, however you open up, open up your heart, open up your mind, open up your ears, because this is going to be a delightful, meaningful, full of meaning conversation. So here we go. Claude Silver, what an absolute delight and pleasure to welcome you to the Higher Purpose Podcast.
0: Kevin, thank you so much. High five from New York City. Great to see you and great to be here.
1: And of all things, Claude, this was not the original plan. We had to reschedule. We're doing this on what? Valentine's Day, the day of love. (laughs) So how cool is that? So, hey, you listening, I love you and... I love you. There you go. You got some love already. We're going to be talking about love and all kinds of things. We've got so much good stuff to pack into this conversation, but before... We do any of that, Claude. I got a question for you. Right now, what is something that you are grateful for in this moment? My baby girl. Ah, Tell us about your baby girl.
0: Yeah, she is almost four months old.
1: That's what I was thinking.
0: Yeah, she's coming up on it. And I've been traveling the last five days. I was in London. And so I came home late last night. She was sleeping and I got to see her this morning. And as soon as she opened her eyes, she smiled. and it. Talk about love. Yeah. It just filled me up. I'm so grateful. I'm so blessed that
1: and what's that, her name? Her name is Shalom. Oh my goodness. Yeah, so she's oh my here. goodness. Now we could do another whole session just on what does Shalom mean? Yeah. Well, she's here to bring the peace, my friend. Peace in every dimension. Peace, multifaceted peace.
0: That's exactly right. And peace doesn't necessarily mean all soft and mushy. Peace is a force. It is a force to be reckoned with. And I tell you what, she is is a force.
1: (laughs) All right. So, Claude, what is your favorite way of introducing the organization for whom you serve and the role in which you serve?
0: Well, I work for an incredible man named Gary Vaynerchuk. I am the Chief Heart Officer at Vayner Media, which is a global digital advertising agency. We're headquartered in New York City and we work with all the big, you know, Fortune 10, Fortune 50 companies. We also work with small, medium businesses. And I love what I do here. I've worked in the advertising world for quite some time. I really enjoy the ethos. Of what we're about. I enjoy how we put our consumer at the center of everything that we do rather than the client. And I'm just incredibly passionate about the folks that I get to work for every single day. (laughs) Okay, so
1: there's a couple of things there I got to remember to come back and unpack. But from the day you've been in this role, have you always been carrying the title Chief Heart Officer, or did that title
0: evolve? So I came into this role almost three years ago as a chief heart officer. Okay. Prior to that, I was here at VaynerMedia as a senior vice president, and I ran large accounts. And I have always been a chief heart officer my entire life that I can remember. I have always been a believer in people, an optimist, a cheerleader, coach, player. And I root for people. I really, it doesn't matter who you are.
1: Hmm. You know, I've only known you a few months, but in all of that time, I've known that to be true and I watch it unfold weekly. I don't say I'm not close enough to always see it daily, but Claude, I see it weekly and I just see in you this amazing gift, amazing ability to touch people and lift them up.
0: You know, I thank you very, very much, and thank you for seeing me. I say it often that attention is the greatest form of generosity. Yes, it is. Could actually give. And so thank you for your attention. Mm. It means a lot to me. Mm. Who I am is a complete, I have to completely thank my Nana, who's mm. been gone two years now, but mm. we called each other heart. Wow. Yes, long before this role ever came about. And she taught me everything I know in terms of how to be with people and how to open my heart and be a spirit of generosity with people. So I have to thank her and I do thank her every single day. Wow.
1: You know, when you say that, I think about something a few years ago, I was in a session with a client and at the end of the session, one of the people in the room who I was told was the most questioning about what we were going to do that day came up to me and said "Ask could he tell me what impacted him most about the session so i thought you know what brilliant thing did i say yep you know how we are Uh what brilliant thing did i say and what he said to me claude it still it blows me over every time i think he said it was the way you looked me in the eye and shook my hand when i walked in the room yeah Uh i don't do that for my people And Claude, when I say that, I'm thinking, where did I learn that? Where did you learn that? From my mom and dad, Mm -hmm. right? I didn't learn it in business school. I didn't learn it at university. I learned it in the living room, in the kitchen of the little house I grew up in, in a rural part of Georgia. And it's just amazing. Like Nana is who helped you be equipped from years back to be. The first that we know of chief heart officer in the world.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. It was amazing. You know, every time we would leave Trader Joe's or leave some type of grocery, store, whatever, wherever she was exchanging money, she would say to the cashier, "Would you do me a favor?" And the cashier would look at this, you know, little old lady. Yeah, sure. Would you have a nice day? Oh. <laughs> or she'd say. Would you do me a favor? Yeah. Would you have a peaceful day? Hmm. Just just I mean, who does that?
1: <laughs> well, I know somebody that does that now. Her name's Claude Silver and she does it for the eight hundred plus employees of VaynerMedia. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Media. Exactly. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. So I want to peer into this role, but first, now, do you have a business card? No, I don't. Okay. But you have this title, so you get introduced as Chief Heart Officer. I know recently you were in the Middle East speaking at an event, and you were there talking about Chief Heart Officer. So I'm sure you get a variety of responses to this role and title. Would you share a couple of your favorites from, like, different ends of the spectrum?
0: Yeah, I get everything from, oh, that's cute, to, wow, that makes a lot of sense, Hmm. Especially when someone finds out that I oversee the people here, oversee HR, oversee learning and development, they'll say, that makes total sense. I need that title. God, why didn't I think about that title? But I will definitely get the, oh, isn't that cute? I had one person in particular, this was a hoot, after the Dubai trip where I was with Gary for 24 hours, he left and then I continued on to do my keynote. Someone wrote me and Gary had put out a seven hour video of his 24 hour trip. Hmm. And someone wrote me, Oh, I saw you, you were on that trip with Gary. How fun was that to travel with Gary and watch him speak? And I said, it was great. I love traveling with Gary. I love watching him speak. And I said, and by the way, I was there to close the conference with the keynote completely took that person by surprise. Hmm. (laughs) And I thought, well, good for me for saying that rather than just being like, yeah, I'm there because I'm good looking luggage. You're toting the luggage. <laughs> so, yeah, I get all different kinds of remarks, and they all, I respect where they all come from, wherever yeah. someone is, and that's what they're going to see. So, the wonderful thing about human beings, and the thing that I believe is very important to get across is the way we see someone is the way we are going to treat them. <laughs> and how we treat a person is what they become. Okay, wait a minute. Let's repeat that. That is
1: worth repeating.
0: Yeah, The way we see a person is how we treat that person. And how we treat a person <laughs> is what they will become. Wow. We have so much power as human beings, we have so much power to change lives, to help people, to get them out of that gutter, to help them remove their shame, their limiting beliefs, their blocks. And we have so much power to do harm if we are not keeping ourselves on the right side of history. Okay, Claude, I'm going to ask
1: you, are you willing
0: And folks, this isn't a
1: scripted conversation. We're just having fun. Claude and I had a conversation a few months ago just to get acquainted. And we're like, gosh, we should have pushed record on that because that could have been a podcast conversation. But we're just having this conversation. So is there an example that you're able to share where you saw someone in a way they didn't see themselves and it helped them step into that or grow into that?
0: Oh, gosh, I see people, yes. So the answer is absolutely. There's a person here who's a very, very extremely bright, very young person. And he came in and must have said to me on three different occasions I don't have any EQ. Can you teach me EQ? I don't have any EQ. I'm reading Brene Brown, but I'd like you to be my mentor. I don't have any EQ. And I said to him on the third visit, I said, I got to tell you something. You do have EQ because you have enough self-awareness to know what you want, Hmm. what you have and what you want. And by the way, self-awareness, I believe is the genesis of EQ because Hmm. without knowing self and without knowing what we are capable of, what our shortcomings are, where we want to grow, what our deficiencies are, you don't really have a full plate. You just got a couple of mashed potatoes and peas on that plate. But ever since I said that to that gentleman, he runs a team here. He then created a manifesto, mm. an entire manifesto of how he wants to go about leading his team.
1: Mm.
0: Boy, oh boy. I really saw a massive change in him. I saw such a massive change in him and I'm so proud of, I'm so proud of who he is and how he runs his life now and how he runs and operates his team and the joy and the learning and the growth and development I see in their eyes hmm. is great. I just saw him in London the other day. I'm like, you, you're something else. Something wow. Else. wow. Yeah. I know
1: self-awareness is important to you as it should be all of us. What are a couple of things? Okay. The other day I saw somebody post something and they said, What's in your blind spot that's getting in your way in work right now? And I thought, wow, if only I knew. I mean, you know, it's in my blind spot, so I don't see it. But self-awareness, what's a practice you use or a practice you help people
0: grow in? Well, I just love that idea of the blind spot, though. You had me thinking of what gets in my way, and I just want to amplify that for a second and call myself out on something. What gets in my way every now and then is when my ego roars its head. Hmm. And it roars its head, by the way, not externally. It roars internally. And that's when I have to catch myself. Mm. If I don't catch myself, I will have a bad day. Mm. No one will know I'm having the bad day, Kevin. But I know. I know from, I know what my mood, how important my mood is to me and how important my mood is to what I'm doing here and just in life, right? And when I get a little crusty, Mm. I get entitled. Mm. and that's not a place I want to live in and I am human right I think that's really important to say the chief heart officer is human (laughs) and rightfully so I'm very I have skin and wrinkles and warts just like anyone else (laughs) so anyway I just had to say that blind spot is uh that's a good one so self-awareness I think I just shared a little bit of self-awareness with you right there one of the things that is apparent to me is when we use and, and pretty much overuse in many ways, this word empathy. Empathy is really, it's really difficult to crack sometimes because unless you can look at yourself and understand that we're just equal, we're all equal. Mm-hmm. We're all equal. And that means we've all gone through hardships. We will all go through hardships. We will all go through successes. But once you place yourself in that, That same spot as that person on the street, the person at Starbucks, the person getting you lunch today, the CEO, whatever, you level the playing field. And when the playing field is leveled, I believe it's easier to walk across that bridge and shake hands with someone and meet someone across that bridge rather than thinking, oh no, they got to come to me. Mm. So that's very metaphoric. And I do speak in metaphor. So I'll break that down a little bit. The more I am aware of myself and aware of, and really aware and awake to what I have gone through in my life and what does hold me back, the more I can see that in another human being. When I can see something in another human being, that's empathy.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. I choose to relate to them with a softness, with a softening, with a tenderness, with a you know, come closer, don't push them away. That's empathy.
1: That's good. Love that. What a great way to define empathy, this tenderness in and yeah. inviting someone in. Yeah. So Claude, if we were filming a Netflix series, a day in the life of Claude Silver, CHO. Um, yeah. What would that look like? Because here's what I know. Some people are going to say, there's no such thing as a routine day. From another perspective, I think there are. Cause I think it's this showing heart, this being available and touching people, but just however you want to answer that. Let us in behind the curtain. Okay. None of us have ever worked with a CHO before. I mean, you know.
0: No. <laughs> well, eight things, I'm just like you. I'm just like else. so I do have routines. I do get up, I have a big glass of water, I have coffee, and I get down and either start answering emails or that's when I'm able to get back to people on social media or do a little bit of writing myself. Now that I have a daughter, I make sure that I'm spending some time with her as she's awake and she's getting to know me, which is wonderful. And I come to work and you know my schedule is pretty packed every single day with different things. I am on the offense, meaning my job is to spot a place where there might be a fire and go ahead and extinguish the fire before mm-hmm. it, it, we get engulfed, which means a people problem, which means, you know, life on life's terms, which means people not communicating with one another or spending time or people feeling inadequate or I run a lot of trainings here. So every day is different because I'm dealing with humans and different issues and whatnot. However, my days are pretty similar in that I know, for the most part, what you throw at me, I'm going to be able to catch or I will hit it and lob it over to someone else who's much more equipped to deal with it than I am or it really falls in their plate. Hmm. Every now and then I get, you know, I have FaceTime with Gary. Today was one of those days Hmm. and he's an incredible mentor and friend to me. And I also find him really fascinating. And today was one of those days where we just had maybe it was a 30-second interaction that was enough juice for me. It fed me so that I know I can go and just even give more of myself today.
1: Hmm. Okay, so you use a phrase then, or a word, and I want to invite you to unpack that in how that permeates so many of your encounters, because you seek to touch. 800 plus people pretty regularly. Yeah. I do. Now, that doesn't mean you have hour long meetings with all 800 people. Talk about these micro touches and just what do you see happen out of just the briefest intentional interaction?
0: I'm glad you said intentional because it is intentional. Just like looking at someone in the eye is intentional, giving that person a high five is intentional. I see people light up. I see people stop, want to hang with me for that second, whether or not it's getting coffee in the kitchen, or we're saying hi in the bathroom, as washing our hands, or in these micro 15-minute sessions that I have with people. And there's a magicness there. There's an appreciation, I believe. There's an appreciation of one another in those seconds. And I do think part of that appreciation is someone thinking or saying or appreciating that I'm spending time with them where I'm the one that's like, wow, thank you for spending time with me. Yeah. One of the things I get quite a lot is I know you're really busy. I know your time is precious. I know you're really busy. And the only thing I will say in response is, yeah, we're all busy. You're busy too. Yeah. That's just where it is. That's just how it is. But I am no busier than you. Mm -hmm. My job is to impact as many people as I can. So yes, I'm busy, but you're busy fighting fires and talking to clients and making incredible creative content and so forth and so on, driving the bus. Hmm. Hmm. All
1: right, you used a word that I want to ask you to come back and unpack for us in a little deeper. I love that you used the word magic. Now, Claude, I have this observation from all the years I've lived on Earth Lots of life, however elevated your position is, lots of life is mundane, routine. How do you make magic? How do you bring magic into those mundane moments?
0: Oh, Kevin, I mean, that's giving someone attention. Yeah. That is literally making someone feel like they are the only person here. That is the only conversation I want to be in. Hmm. The only thing I want to talk about is your growth and development. The only thing I want to talk about is how you knocked it out of the park and how are you going to knock it out of the park the next time and take more people with you. I mean, the magic, the magic dust is literally how you make someone feel. I've learned that people will forget what you did. People forget what you said, but people will never forget how you made them feel. Maya Angelo.
1: Maya, yeah.
0: That is the alpha and the omega for me. So how can I tell how I made someone feel first and foremost? I get chills in my arms when something is happening. I have a nail. <laughs> I get chills on my face. I get chills in my arms. That's when I know something special. Whether or not you want to call that the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, or just like two souls meeting and having an authentic mm. moment, mm. doesn't matter to me what you call it. That's a special moment. I can see it in their face. Mm. I can see what happens when they go back to the desk and if someone they sit around makes time or sets up time with me, I know that <laughs> we've scaled something very specific. And the, you used the word and I love
1: it. I mean, we all want to be seen. So just seeing people
0: yeah. is powerful. Just seeing people is powerful. And you broke it down 10 minutes ago, which is looking someone in the eye. I'm breaking it down in terms of how you make someone feel. And again, we have so much power as human beings. We have so much power. And I am convinced that the more conversations like this we have, the more conversations that you have, that I have, all of our friends have, we can bring about this revolution. And the revolution is one of tenderness for me. The revolution is one of bringing more humanity back into this life because we have been given an incredible gift, an incredible, incredible gift. I could have (laughs) been born a moose, I could have been born a cat, but here we are, you know? So it really does blow me away when I think about the miracle of this conversation of finding like-minded individuals on something called social media and here we are having this great conversation and here i am working for 800 people and having the luxury and the great honor of having these types of conversations yeah. with people that want to grow do something these are you know this is a tremendous brain and heart power that can be tapped into in these wow, organizations absolutely. today okay so we went behind the curtain you're talking about
1: things do you have labels for these things in your toolbox I mean, just conversation, this caring, this, you know, for me, I mean, asking great questions, leading with a question rather than a statement. People may not think of that as a tool, but that's a big jackhammer.
0: Yeah, open-ended questions. So, you know, here I am, I am, someone is spending 15 minutes with me and either they have an issue they want to talk about or it's a get to know you date in a way. So I have to be very proactive in getting things out of them. And so one of the things I will say is, you know, let's play rosebud thorn. Rose, something that's going great, Mm -hmm. but something you're looking forward to. Thorn, a challenge, something that they wish they could change, something they want me to change at a macro level. You know, that's how I'm milking that conversation so that I can get the information I need to see if there are patterns in that thorn. And if there are patterns then I do have the wonderful autonomy hmm. to make changes. Hmm. And doesn't everyone Absolutely. want someone to be rooting for them? You, you want someone Absolutely. on your side, right? And that's what I am. I'm and someone on your side. When
1: do you need someone on your side most? When you stop believing in yourself, right? When something knocks you down.
0: Yeah. When something knocks you down, oftentimes yeah. that's our stuff. Is knocking someone down. No one else has that ability. We think they do, and da 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 da. da. But yes, mm-hmm. when we have lost our way, we are feeling other, that we don't fit in. It's a terrible feeling. And I don't think there's one individual on this planet that hasn't felt that or isn't feeling that today somewhere. And I really want to blanket that with love and hope and the ability to mm-hmm. feel like you belong. And you deserve to be connected to this human I want to ask you to do
1: something a little weird, but we do weird, don't we? For the person listening right right. now that's feeling less than, that's feeling I don't belong, just talk to them a moment, Claude.
0: I want to tell you that I hear you and I hear that you have these beliefs that you are less than, that you don't belong, that you are not connected to anyone in this world and that no one will understand you. But I want you to know something. You're not alone. I got you. Kevin's got you. And you do something right now for me. I want you to think of three things that you are grateful for. Just three things. Could be the blue sky. Could be the song you heard on the radio. Could be the high five that someone gave you on the basketball court. It doesn't matter. Get yourself to a place where you can think outside of yourself for a second. Think of something that really makes you happy, that inspires you. Go to that place just for that moment. Remember how you feel in those moments. That's magic. You do belong. You belong to this planet because you had that experience. Because you're able to have great gratitude for that person in your life or that person that gave you the high five, that means you belong. You're connected to that person. You are not alone, my friend.
1: High five. (laughs) I five it. <laughs> Thanks Claude. Well, I know somebody Thanks, somebody or some bodies listening right now just got a little lift. Me too. I, I was tearing I got up. Chills,
0: so I just said I want to blanket this place with opportunity and with the feeling of connection and with the feeling that they don't need to believe that story hmm, yeah, about themselves. Yeah. That's tough yep. because we are in green. It's so easier to think about negativity than it mm. is positivity. Oh, all yeah. right. you have to do is turn on the news. Which is why I don't, by the way. Amen to that. I do not turn on the news. <laughs> At all. And the other thing, Kevin, is like we've mm. all mm-hmm. been there. Now, what I mean by there is we have all mm-hmm. not been able to get out of bed one day. We have all had that day of I am not going to cut it. There's something wrong with me. I'm just efficient. I'm not like that other person. All of us have, all of us have, which brings yeah. us closer together. And if that person can get out of their rut, and that person can get out, I guarantee you, Absolutely. you can get out of your rut Absolutely. too. And it does mm-hmm. take connecting. 12-step programs, they're incredibly, incredibly helpful. Why? Because you're, you're not alone. All right,
1: I wanna ask you a different question here. Oh gosh, thanks for going there with me. That was a moment.
0: Thank you, Brad.
1: That's a memorable moment on the podcast for me, Claude.
0: Yeah, you know what Oprah says on Super Soul Sunday? She goes, tweetable moment. Tweetable
1: moment. That was tweetable it. Tweetable moment. Claude showing compassion. Claude pouring out her heart as the chief heart officer. Not just for Media at that moment. You're the chief heart officer to the world right then. Love it. So I have a friend that taught me this. It wasn't original to him. Everything communicates. That comes out of the marketing world. Before we started, you were showing me your office. What does your office communicate to people that come into it?
0: Zen, chill.
1: How does it do that? What's different about your office? Because others don't have the visual. Let's talk about what's different about your office.
0: Yeah, I just have chairs in this office. I don't have a desk. I have chairs and books, a beautiful, beautiful plant. And I have an incredible view of the Hudson River and of the Statue of Liberty and Freedom Tower. It's very and very, very comfortable very chill. chairs,
1: not straight back, but
0: very comfortable chairs. I have a little ottoman you can put your feet up on. I have you know, some candies here that I just have for people to nibble on if they want. And so this is a place I want them to be mm-hmm. able to come here and take a time out and fuel. I want them to be able to fuel. And that means we could do a coaching session on my big whiteboard here. We can talk Rosebud thorn. We can talk through a resourcing plan. It don't matter. But, you know, you can't see my wall here. But these are a bunch of incredible thank you notes that I've received. And something called empathy cards that I've got up there, people can look at, you know, one says you are a superpower, Mm. all that stuff. So, so. Do I have this
1: right, that somewhere in your journey of life, you were a therapist or trained as a therapist? Yeah. So how does that background manifest in your work today?
0: Well, manifest every second of my day.
1: (laughs) I kind of knew that, but I want to hear you say that.
0: I don't think people go into the self-help world if you don't care about helping other people. If you do, well, you'll just get found out, you know, but there are people out there that have hearts to help. What can I say? I mean, it sounds corny, right? Hearts to help, a helping heart. But I mean, the thing is, though, is I am a student as a teacher. I'm not the teacher. I'm also a guide. I'm not the hero. Mm -hmm. And that's really important. Mm. And I think that's really important as a therapist to know that you are a guide. You are a Sherpa, you know, but we're not there as therapists to be the heroes. You're the hero of your story. We're here to help you be the hero, help you find your way out of the darkness, into the light or through the caverns, however you want to, you know, think about it. It's a hero's journey. It's Joseph Campbell. That's it. That's what I'm doing. All right. So after I met
1: you, I stumbled my way into the Humans First Club, and we've been having a lot of conversations with Human First presenting members of which you are one, but I have it on good authority that you have a unique vantage point into how all of the Humans First Club began. Wow. Could we pry that out of you? Well, (laughs) I have permission to ask.
0: Mike, Mark, who lives in Australia, Jill, who lives in New Jersey, we all started to just jam together on email, and then we got together on Zoom, and I believe Mike came up with the title, Humans First Club, but we knew we wanted to. Well, now, wasn't there a meeting in your office? Oh, yes. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yes, there was. <laughs> you go, you're go. going way back. Way back. Yeah, you're going way back. I'm trying to see if I have the, um, Mike gave me a big, one of those things to, um, you know, megaphone. He gave me a megaphone. <laughs> yes, Mike came in and we decided we wanted to work together and we wanted to bring more humanity into the workplace. And he came from a very interesting place of doing mergers and acquisitions and the business. And I come from the business of people. Mm. But we both had the same vision in mind. And that's how it started. That's exactly how it started. And then the conversation with Mark. And then we had a conversation with yeah, Mark. I mean, Mark and I found each other on LinkedIn and it was like finding a brother across the world. And we started to do these little Skype sessions that we would record every now and then on purpose or on mentorship or on values and beliefs. So all of a sudden I met these two guys in in a span of you know a few months and then I connected them together because I knew they were long lost brothers. (laughs) And then they started to you know jam and and then we got Jill and so that was how we first went to market as you say and we did it in New York here we had a wonderful place and it was an exciting moment because there was nothing planned that's when you get up there with a the microphone and you look at the audience and you think what can i say to bring them in what can i say what can i share about myself to encourage them to take a bigger step in their life. Okay, so I want to ask you something. I'm trying to make sure I phrase
1: this correctly. So you had nothing prepared to say, but you were prepared for the moment. Let's talk about that a moment because there's an interesting dynamic because some people over-prepare what they're going to say and fail to prepare to show up.
0: Yeah, whoa, that's huge. Some people prepare what they're going to say and fail to prepare to show up. That's really interesting. (laughs) I like that one.
1: For you and me, it's different. Let's just show up. Let's be prepared to show up. What needs to be said will come out.
0: Yeah, that's, I mean, I can just say hashtag preach.
1: (laughs) So how do you prepare for something like that? What does that look like for you? Let's talk about Dubai a moment. You did something very different when you were there. What did you do?
0: Wow. Well, I had a breakout session with you know seventy people, and I was supposed to go talk in this one area of this tent. We were in a big, big tent, and there were all these bean bags and swings. People decided to not sit on what seemed to be really fun bean bags and swings, and so I just you know what? Everyone gather in, please sit on these bean bags and swings. I sat on the floor. I disregarded the deck I had created, and I. Pass the microphone around to all these, you know, probably 60, 65 people to talk about. I and mean, here we are in Dubai, right? They're looking at me like, hey, lady, we're a different culture here. We don't just quite talk openly. So I had everyone take the mic, introduce themselves, and talk about something that they wanted to accomplish while they were on Earth. Hmm. And it was the most incredible thing because here you are, strangers in a strange land and a strange place. And we have someone saying, I want to open up an orphanage and I want to open up a animal preserve place. And I want to start a company that does this and that. It was very, all very altruistic. And it was really, really interesting. So that's how I had people connect at first with one another. And then I decided to do Q&A and I'm just sitting on the floor and we're all just jamming together. And you can see in some of the clips I have where people have the microphone and they're asking me, well, how can I change my culture at work? How can my boss doesn't have an empathetic way of thinking about things? How can I bring this into my workplace? That was really special 90 Minutes. You know, I then went off to do the closing keynote, which Gary had opened the the conference in the the day before, and I closed it. But those ninety minutes were the, were the most fun.
1: So, what did it take for you to abandon the deck and just do something radically different that even caught some people off guard? I mean, that's that preparation thing I want to hear about a moment. Just you.
0: Yeah, what it took was me actually looking at my surroundings mm-hmm. and saying how am I going to bring this population into connection? Mm. That was literally it. It was like, forget the deck. Who wants to read off of the deck? I don't want to. I don't want to stand. And I really wanted to hear what was up with them. So the only preparation was looking at who was there mm. and saying, let's just do something different. Like, I don't want to. That's that other thing about empathy, putting yourself in someone else's shoes. Like, Would I have wanted to stand there? I don't really know. It was hot, hotter than Hades. (laughs) No, it was a really special moment for me. I don't think I'll forget that one for quite some time. And as a matter of fact, it reminds me of the Outward Bound course I went on, which was a real pivotal moment in my life when I was 19, which I talk about quite a bit. But the idea of, yes, I could have worked out for a year. I could have learned how to carry more weight on my back. But when you're in the... Colorado Rocky Mountains, and it's snowing, and you don't have a tent to sleep in. You just have a tarp and a sleeping bag. Mm. Gotta deal. You just gotta show up. What are you gonna do? You're gonna get hypothermia? No. You're gonna keep on walking. You're gonna make sure that you're talking. You're gonna make sure that you're eating. You're gonna, you know, you just have to just show up. And so that's my way of saying you assess the situation in 800th of a second. And you figure it out and it's all intuitive and instinctual and the greatest thing is that everyone has that same capability it's not just me it's not just you not just gary every single person has that split second to make a decision that is rooted in what is going to be the best for this group of people what's going to bring people together not push people apart hey we don't need any more walls
1: hmm. Well, Claude, I want to thank you for showing up here and just having this amazing conversation. But before we go, what would bring all of this conversation to a fitting close for you and put a pretty bow on it?
0: What would bring this conversation to a close for me and put a pretty bow on it is for your listeners after they listen to this incredible, fun conversation that we've had to go and call someone or text someone that is not expecting a text from them or a phone call and let them know that they are loved, that they are appreciated, that I'm thinking of you. Bam. How about that? That's it. That's it. That's it.
1: That's it. So I just know there are people listening that go, wow. I want more. I want to go deeper with Claude. What do you say to them? Sorry, that's it for now. Thanks for listening. Um, Maybe we'll do this again in six months. Now, what would you say to them?
0: I'd say, please reach out. I definitely respond to everyone that reaches out. It might take me a few days, but I do that. And where do they do that at? Yeah, you can come to Instagram or LinkedIn or Twitter. And it's just at Claude Silver. No matter how you slice and dice it, you can't get rid of this name. (laughs) I've embraced it now in my late 40s. And reach out. Say hi. I'd love to know what's up with you.
1: All right. Gosh, Claude, thank you so much. This was every bit as delightful as I had imagined it to be. So this was just a treat for me. It's a treat for everyone listening. So thank you for the generosity of your time and more than the generosity of you and just showing up and being love and sharing love. So
0: Claude, I love you. I love you too, Kevin. Thank you so much. And thank you to everyone. Happy Valentine's Day.
1: Happy Valentine's Day. Hey, folks, it's really fun to share this conversation with Claude. This is a hot, fresh conversation. We just had this a couple of days ago on Valentine's Day. We're turning it around. So thanks to the team for getting this to you as soon as possible. Hey, I want to just share a few things that are just reverberating in my heart and mind. And there's so much that is. What I loved was Claude saying that the way we see a person is how we treat a person, that person. And how we treat a person is who they become. You and I have immense, enormous power. And this works in our professional life, our home life, our social life. So I want to ask you, is there somebody you're seeing as a real difficult person or a problem person that's only Allowing them to step into what you've seen them to be. And what could you do to see them differently? Mm -mm -mm. And then I loved when Claude talked about leveling the playing field. Hey, folks, we are all people. Doesn't matter what job title you carry or rank you carry if you're in the military. We're all people. And the moment we learn to level the playing field and begin walking across the bridge rather than demanding people come across the bridge to meet us, the better off this world is going to be. Two more things I wanna share. One, I wanna challenge you to see the flicker before it flares up into a flame. So that's what Claude says a lot of her job is, is seeing flicker, seeing these little issues that could grow into a big problem. And as Barney Fife would say, nip them, nip them in the bud. And then the final thing I want to invite you to do what Claude closed us out with doing is inviting you to go call someone who's not expecting to hear from you and just call, text, whatever that is. Tell them that you love them, that they are loved, that you appreciate them, that you are thinking about them and that your life and the world is better because they are in it. Wow, if we all did that, what a powerful impact that would be. So I invite you to do that today. And if you want, tell me about it. You can tweet me at Kevin underscore Monroe. You know my email. You can email me. Let me know. And until we connect again, I want to invite you to live, love, and lead with purpose.
0: If you're a leader who is or wants to be entrusted with the transformation of your team, join Kevin and six other leaders for a year-long journey of
1: transformation that will help you release your brilliance and help others to do the same.
0: Email Kevin at KevinDMonroe.com to begin the application process.